Hello, we're Michael and Sarah Rain. Hello. So, when we received the email about today's devotion and considered the doxology at the end of Jude, we were a little intimidated. It comes from an epistle that I know very little about, and I couldn't recall anything of its message. Yet, the verses we read today are so familiar to me. They are personal for both of us. They remind me of home and the church I found my faith in, the church where we met and the church where we were married. This is because as a congregation, at the end of every service, we would all stand and after the benediction, we would all join hands, sometimes uncomfortably over chairs, making sure no one was left out and sing these words as written by Jude from verses 24 to 25. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Singing Jude's doxology at the end of the service always filled me with hope. The words lifted my spirit and I would find myself filled with joy, which is what Jude's intent was all along. In our family devotion with the children in the morning, we've been considering the epistles and asking the questions, who were they written by? Who were they written to? And what is the primary message? So to answer those questions, uh, the passage was written by Jude, who was the brother of James. And what's interesting is that at the start, it says that it is Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. So unlike the letters of Paul, it doesn't seem to be sent to a particular person or place. It was sent to everyone. So that's everyone in every place and therefore everyone in every time. So we can take the words that he said all that time ago, 2000 years ago, and we can apply them today. So Jude's intent was to write a happy letter reminding us of God's salvation. But then that got interrupted and he finds himself writing with urgency and concern because he'd noticed a new danger in the church where the eternal truth and authority of the Lord was being subtly subverted by individuals who were relying on their own ideas and dreams and rejecting God's truth and authority. It was their truth and their authority, not the truth. Interestingly, while this had insidiously crept into the church, it wasn't new. Jude traces this rejection of authority all the way back, carefully, person by person, event by event, to the rebellion of the angels, not willing to dwell under God's authority. Looking forward from Jude's time, we can so easily trace that same lineage of pride and rejection of God's truth and authority through the history of the church, and even personally, to those we know who have fallen away 
or struggle and reject the thought of submitting wholeheartedly to the authority of God, even daily when we struggle and doubt and fall. But Jude doesn't leave us with warnings only. From verse, 20, uh, from verse 17, he gives us the greatest of good news. He tells us of the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that is our key to eternal life and the love of God. And he reminds us that we can be fortified against the temptations of believing in our own truths and our own authority. We can do this by building up each other in faith and through prayer. We can help each other when we doubt and correct each other in love. And finally, he reminds us that just as we do not live under our own authority, we don't need to live relying on ourselves because Jesus is the one who is able. He is able to keep us from falling and he is able to present us blameless, not through our own industry and works, but through his salvation. And on that day, he will present us blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Thinking back to our singing at the church, it points to that day when he will present us. We weren't all standing awkwardly looking at the front of the church. We would look at each other, singing together, although different ages, races, races and social class, as the family of Christ. So, as we finish, may I ask that you close your eyes and picture our Christian family, everyone from our church and beyond. Really picture them in your mind and imagine taking their hands. It's very un-British, I know. <laughs> but lift them up in Christ. Listen to the words and think of the one who keeps you, the one who keeps you from falling. Think of our glorious, majestic, powerful and authoritative Saviour who presents you, us, as faultless and with great joy before his glorious presence. We love you and miss you and look forward to a day when we will be able to see you again. Bye.